Lord Jesus, that you would manifest yourself in the preaching of your word. Amen. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What incredible, wonderful, life-changing news. God crashing into earth to dwell amongst us. And yet, the story of Christmas can seem very far away to many of us. It happened 2,000 years ago in an exotic land. The story is so foreign to our daily lives. A baby born in a feeding trough, in a barn, surrounded by animals, worshipped by shepherds and angels, and wise men from the east, being amateur astronomers, decided to follow a star to Bethlehem. This is not St. Vincent's labor and delivery. And, by the way, the little baby happens to be God in the flesh. At home, we have a nativity set uh, that I genuinely dislike. Uh, I don't like it uh, because it seems so trite to me. There's the cow, and the cow is wearing a headband, and it's got a little boingy star above it that moves when the heat comes on, and there's a dog in a clown suit, and the star looks like Richard Simmons wearing a star suit made out of some sort of weird sequin, and I'm talking about the sweating to the oldies Richard Simmons, not our Richard Simmons from the Center for Executive Leadership. <laughs> well, I, suffice it to say, I don't care for the set. Uh, each year I've tried to hide the set from my wife, uh, but believe it or not, this year I've grown to appreciate it, even delight in it. Why? Because this whole story of baby God in the flesh coming as a baby and being born in a manger and the animals and the shepherds and the star and the wise men, it sounds a little crazy. And our crazy nativity set reflects just how crazy it is in the great lengths, the crazy lengths that God goes to to get to us. To try to root the birth of Jesus a little more in our own lives, I want you to consider tonight, what if Jesus were to be born to us today? If he were to walk amongst us in 2014, where would he go? Who would he associate with? What would he be doing? Well, some of us might think he'd hang out with religious people. He'd be doing religious things. He would avoid people doing bad things. He would be setting a good example and challenging us to live better lives. He would be the picture of good behavior. Now there may be some truth to that, but let me ask you, is this the kind of Jesus that you would want hanging around? Would you invite him to your Christmas parties? He sounds a little bit like the Jesus who is the spiritual arm of the sheriff's department. Or the fun sponge who walks into the room and 
sucks up all of the fun of goody two-shoes. You might say, no, Jesus wouldn't be hanging out with the establishment types. He would shun them. He wouldn't identify with anyone we might think of as hypocritical. And furthermore, some people need Jesus more than others. Jesus would spend more time with the down and out rather than, say, Mountain Brook. Because those other people need Jesus. We need them, but just not as much. We're doing all right. Well, it's an interesting question to ponder. What if Jesus were born today, if he walked amongst us today? But it requires more thought than I've given you tonight. And in truth, we don't have to wonder too much because we already know what type of people Jesus would associate with and what he would be doing based on what the Bible tells us he was up to in his earthly life in first century Palestine. Well, who does Jesus associate with in his earthly ministry? The poor, the rich, the healthy, the lame, men, women, the religious, the non-religious, the self-assured, those who have come completely undone, prostitutes, preachers, leaders, losers, lawyers, the educated, the ignorant, sheep and goats, you name it. Jesus spent time with them. But there was one group in particular that the Bible tells us that especially identified with Jesus. And indeed, the narrative of all the Bible tells us that there is a people group that God is especially biased towards. And that group is sinners. Those who know only too well their own condition. Those who know their inability to get their act together. Those who know the struggle of life that are at, their end, that are at the end of their ropes and cry, Uncle, I give up. Those who know that they are in need of rescue, in need of a savior. Sin not being the sum of just bad choices that you make in your life, but a condition that keeps you from doing the very thing that you want to know, do and try as hard as you may. You just can't seem to get it right. And even though Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, the struggles of someone in the first century are no different than what we struggle with today. What wakes you up in the middle of the night is what wakes up People throughout the ages in the middle of the night. The struggle to make ends meet. Fear of whether or not you are accepted. Your future. Your relationship with your children. Your relationship with your spouse. The uncertainty of what exactly it is you're supposed to do with your life. And God looks down upon us in the condition we're in. And he empties himself and comes as a baby into a hard, broken, cold world. Dorothy Sayers wrote in the early part of the 20th century, Christmas means that for whatever reason, 
God chose to let us fall into a condition of being limited, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death. He has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain, all for us, and thought it well worth his while. The fact that God would come and dwell amongst us was for one reason, for you. Martin Luther calls us the protege of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God has come to earth and dwelt amongst us, lived a perfect life, and died on our behalf, and on the third day was raised for you. All for you. I normally wear contact lenses, uh, but uh, when I preach, I wear glasses because I don't want the lenses to get uh, all screwy. And uh, When I first began uh, preaching in my ministry, uh, being nearsighted, I felt that it was easier when I mounted the pulpit to take my glasses off so that I could preach to some well, faceless wall, right? It was just easier to preach to you if I didn't have to see you. And then I realized, you know, uh, I'm not preaching at people, I'm, I'm preaching to people, and it's a word uh, for them. And so I began to put on my glasses and to make eye contact with people, which can be a little bit dangerous depending on the subject of the sermon. <clears throat> but do you re- that's what Christmas is, that, that God coming and dwelling amongst us as He has brought into focus the gospel message, and He sees you. He doesn't see the world as an amorphous, faceless group. He doesn't love them in a sort of grandfatherly way. He sees you. And he loves you. And there isn't anything that God won't do in order to find you and to save you. Tonight, when you come forward to receive communion, you are going to hear this gospel message when the minister will say, Take and eat this, this bread, in remembrance that what? Christ died for you. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. For you. When our oldest daughter, Lily, was about two years old, she and I were in the Walmart together right before Christmas. It was very chaotic, and I had turned to try to figure something out, and when I turned again, as I was comparing toys, she was gone. Now, if you've ever been a parent who has lost a child in a very crowded public place like Walmart, whatever was on your mind up to that point is gone. You are totally consumed with finding that child. So much so that you'll even make a fool of yourself. As I was running through Walmart yelling, Lily, Lily, and there were boxes stacked everywhere, and I thought maybe she crawled behind some boxes. So I'm knocking over boxes to try to find her. And of course, where I found her was sitting in a clothing display rack. 
peaceful and just messing around. And of course, I was a total mess, and she looked up at me as if to say, what's wrong with you? I'm fine. But do you understand that that's the intensity and focus that our Heavenly Father has in searching you out when you have gone missing, when you have strayed? He's consumed by it to the point that he leaves his throne in heaven and doesn't come in great power and triumph, but he comes as a vulnerable baby in order to live life, experience life, to walk in our shoes. Jesus' love for you is as fierce whether you eat at Sneaky Pete's or Hot and Hot Fishman, whether you live in Mountain Brook, Forest Park, Avondale, Vestavia, Trustville, Homewood. Spiritually speaking, we are all in the same boat. He sees you and he comes, crazily as it sounds, as a baby in order to rescue you. And in fact, God is so for you that he is against himself. The sadness and strangeness that this baby would grow up in order to die for us. So great is his love. When Simeon met Jesus, he blessed he and Mary and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The voice that cries out from the manger for his mother is the same voice that cries out from the cross. It is finished. He sees you and knows you as you are. How strange it must have been to be a shepherd standing before the manger in awe of this child who physically looked no different than, than any other child. He wasn't more attractive than any other baby that had been born on earth. But he was altogether different. And though such a small baby, I can't help but think the shepherds felt smaller. That is this baby who couldn't even say a word and yet looked at those shepherds and knew them through and through. Your heart is no secret to the Lord. He sees you as you are, brokenness, everything that you have ever done, everything that you will ever do, those things that lurk in the recesses of your mind that you long to forget. He sees even them, and he doesn't flinch, but instead jumps into the chaos of life and rescues you from the torrent of sin and death at the cost of his own life. Establishing you, cleansing you of guilt, from your guilt, the burden lifted, love imputed, identity secured, 
worthiness bestowed, for you are now a child of God, a son, a daughter, whose father's love is so fierce, he would stop at nothing to get to you. Even if the world looks on and thinks, that's crazy. Hail this heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild, He lays His glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. May Christ's presence come alive in your heart this Christmas day. That you might know Him. Know His great love for you. And allow Him to enter in to the manger of your heart. Amen.